What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in. As always, this week on the show, we have a gentleman named Oliver II, a rapper out of the IE, who I think I must have heard his name years ago when I was tunnel visioned on working on my own career. That said, we never really ran in the same exact circles, but we ran in Venn diagram circles. So I know a lot of the people that he knows experienced a lot of the same places and things that he experienced, but he took, similar to me, I guess, a long hiatus after 2014. He he hasn't put out a record uh, since then until recently, a couple months ago, he put out a record called Lingua Franca. He'd been doing some features here and there, actually got a placement on a an Alchemist record, which is absolutely legendary. Super stoked for him uh, on that. But I heard Lingua Franca and I was like, oh, this shit is amazing. It came out in late November. So, you know, around Thanksgiving time, still pretty fresh on, on the streaming platforms. Yeah, I was very impressed. And then to learn that he's somebody, like I said, that's in the Venn diagram circle of my scene, I was like, oh, we got to get this guy on the show. Uh, pleasure to talk to him. I'm sure you guys will enjoy this conversation. And if you're into all the bars, the rapidy, rapping ass rappers, Oliver II is your guy. He's dope. Just to wrap up the kettlebell story from last week. My other kettlebell came, and it indeed is a matching kettlebell just with a different branding, and therefore it was $20 more expensive for some fucking reason. And then a few days later, I got an Amazon delivery with four 30-pound kettlebells all at my door, which I have to decide whether I want to keep or return. I actually gave two of them to the UPS driver just on some like, yo, you look buff. Do you need some kettlebells? I got to get rid of some of these. So I gave him, uh, I guess I gave him the free ones because then I found out that I have to return the other ones or pay 120 bucks for them. So that fucking sucks. Are you trying to come in here? Come in, lay down. My dog was just crying at the door because he wants to come lick my feet. Thanks, Coop. So yeah, on that note, I started my workout plan today and did the first round and thought I was going to throw up. I actually had to stop about halfway through the very last circuit. There was this circuit of like 16 minutes straight of running and burpees and kettlebell swings and and squats. And I was like, oh, nope. If I continue this part, I'm going to die. So, you know, it's a journey. I'm trying to turn the dad bot into the father figure. We'll get there. We'll see what happens. So the most eventful thing that happened last week, though, was that uh, my wife and I ended up in the hospital with a little bit of a scare because over the last couple months, the baby boy brewing in her womb has been very extremely active, like a gymnast or a ninja. He's always doing flips and karate kicks in there, you know, just super active all the time and very predictably so. If you look at our text messages while we're working through the day while she's in the living room and I'm in the back room, um, you know, it's all, oh, this baby's going crazy. Baby's going crazy. Oh man, you should feel this baby going crazy. She'll be sending me videos of him punching her fucking stomach and you can see it move. And so we've gotten used to him being very active over the last month and a half or so. And then one day last week, maybe Thursday, he just was kind of inactive. And she started to feel a little bit of panic early on in the day. And I was like, ah, you know, it's fine. It comes in waves. Sometimes they're active. Sometimes they're not. You'll be fine. 
he moved a little bit in the morning and stuff. And then as the day went on, he was remaining inactive. At this point in her belly, it should be, you know, about a half hour cat nap and then waking up and some movement and then half an hour cat nap, waking up some movement, et cetera, et cetera. So by the evening, when I got back from exercising the dog, she was really in a tizzy um, because he still hadn't been moving a lot. I'm telling her, you know, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong because, you know, we've had losses and we've also read some stuff about pregnancy after miscarriages can be very unenjoyable, very stressful, which it is because we had multiple losses and we've had multiple pregnancies. We've gotten used to this idea that anything can go wrong at any time. The slightest little back pain for her, she can get worried about or just any kind of difference in the regiment. All of a sudden it feels like oh no, we're going through it again, you know? So we're kind of constantly on edge. We're not really able to enjoy the miracle of life. So by about seven o'clock, she's getting really worried. There are some tears and she starts doing the stuff that she thinks will um, make him move. There are things where he'll usually get really active, like laying on her side or taking a little shallow bath in the tub or moving around, drinking cold water. So she's doing all that stuff. By the time she gets out of the tub... I mean, she's full on sobbing and going, I don't know what I should do. Should I call the doctor? And I'm going, I'm thinking in my head, like, no, this is, we're just overreacting, but I'm just trying to like do my part and be supportive. And if she's scared, I'm scared for her. So I said, yeah, you know, call the doctor, let's go. And so she calls the doctor. The doctor says they'll call back in a half an hour. I say, hey, let's not waste this half an hour. Let's start getting ready because, you know, as soon as they call back, they're going to tell us to come into the hospital. So, like, let's go. And so we start getting ready. We get in the car right as we're getting in the car. The doctor calls back. Yeah, come through. How long will it take? I said, we'll be there in like 25 minutes because we're um, over at UCLA. So we get to UCLA at about nine o'clock. Right. And the whole drive over. Mia's kind of silently um, crying and I'm getting really fucking worried because I'm going like, oh man, what if something really is wrong? Because I didn't bring an overnight bag. And if something is really wrong, like we're going to be here for a while because there's only two options at that point. They're going to they're going to pluck this guy out and it's going to be a premature baby or it's going to be a stillborn. And I'm thinking like, Oh my God, what if, Oh, like, I don't know if I'm going to ready to handle this. Like my mind is going a million miles an hour, but at the same time, I just couldn't reach the same emotional spot she was at yet because I'm like, this doesn't feel right. This can't be right. Like this is not happening. There's no way that this healthy baby could make a complete 180 just randomly after one day. Like nothing changed in our routine. So like what could have possibly happened is what I'm thinking. When we get to the the hospital, I'm not allowed to go upstairs. It's COVID protocols. So I'm downstairs in a waiting room. She goes upstairs um, and we're in the the birthing hospital, you know, which is also the thing that made me think like, oh man, they're like preparing for, maybe they're going to have to pull this fella out. So she goes upstairs and within five minutes, she texts me and says, heartbeat's normal, 140 beats per minute. A baby's heartbeat is supposed to be between 100 and 160. So 140 BPM, baby's perfectly normal. So I'm like, okay, good. Baby's alive. Baby's chilling. We're fucking fine. Like I thought, but I'm not going to say I told you so to her because, you know, she's in a fragile emotional state and I'm just trying to be helpful. So then, you know, they check the fluids. Fluids are cool. Do an ultrasound. Ultrasound's cool. But each of these things, we're waiting 
30 to 45 minutes between each thing. So I'm sitting downstairs, 9 o'clock turns into 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock turns into 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock turns into 11.30 where everything's cool, but Mia's heartbeat won't go down because Mia has some kind of heart condition apparently where her resting heartbeat is really, really fast. So it was at 124 BPM and they're trying to get it down to 100 BPM before she leaves, you know, just because it's a liability to have a heartbeat in that fast and it just won't go down. It won't go down. So then they run an EKG on her. So now they find out that she might have some heart condition. We kind of already knew that because she went through it about like 2016 or something. We found out about that, man. You should see her fucking heartbeat when she puts an Apple watch on my shit is like a metronome. When I put the Apple watch on, it's just like, ding, 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 ding. Hers is, it looks like fucking staccato hi-hats or some shit. It's like completely random. So the heart thing, it's kind of like we knew, but we don't know what to do, do about it. Finally at 1230, we get out of there, get home at one, go to sleep and, um, everything was fine, but you know what? I knew everything was fine, but at the same time, how fucking terrible would I have felt if I had convinced her to stay at home and we'll just go in the morning and, and then if something had actually been wrong, oh man, I would have felt horrible. So I'm glad that we went. It's the stresses of new parenting, but everything's fine. We're on track. And actually, as soon as I'm done doing this intro, I'm about to go back to the hospital for our like third trimester ultrasound i think from here on out we have like a lot of ultrasounds because they just got to keep making sure that fella's cool um and that they don't have to pluck him out early or anything so but yeah man smooth sailing just trying to you know manage my depression and manage being at home all the time and the pandemic and all that stuff just trying to keep my head above water i'm sure you guys are doing the same i hope you're good i'm good you're good we're good We'll be fine. So, yeah, don't forget to go to youtube.com slash kind of neat and check out Oliver the second uh, performing. He's actually performing uh, a song called Products. He's not at the end of the show. He says he's performing bulky. But then we sat and listened to some records. and We're like, hey, you know, let's do products. So he did products. But, yeah, phenomenal rapper. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Oliver the second. I feel like I heard your name in the past, like, you know, in that 2011, 12, 13 era, I I must have been hearing your name, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where when scenes fall out, people grow up, whatever. No doubt. I just hadn't seen you in a minute. And then just recently, I just came across your music again and, and heard Lingua Franca and was like, what the fuck? Like, this shit is fire. I didn't even realize that you were the dude from the IE who I probably heard of, you know, so, no, I mean, a 10 lot years of, ago. Yeah, no, no question. Like, a lot of the times people uh, associate me as a, a Los Angeles artist. And I rock with Los Angeles. I was born in Los Angeles, but I was raised in the Inland Empire. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where some of the disconnect may come from. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, shout to L.A., shout to the I.E. too, you know. but um, Living in the I.E., how did you look at L.A. hip-hop versus I.E. hip-hop? Because I can tell you what my stereotypes were. Yeah, you know, like for me, coming up, it was just West, West Side shit. Yeah. You know, for, for us, it was like the only differentiation was like, uh, yeah, the only differentiation for me was, you know, 
you know, I'm from SoCal. Yeah. You know, I, I remember taking a trip actually uh, with the homie John Wayne. Shot to John Wayne. We did a little uh, a date in San Francisco and in uh, San Diego in like 2013. And uh, it was my first time going up there. And like, bro, it was like a whole different climate. Like yeah. it didn't even feel like I was in California. So if anything, it was always just that distinction more than anything. It wasn't like we scrutinized you know, L.A. artists because we was coming from the I.E. Like, we loved all that, too. I didn't know if maybe it was, like, sort of this uh, underdog feeling because I know L.A. rappers would look at the yeah. Inland Empire like it was this bubble off to itself. Yeah. And it was very rare for Inland Empire artists to really cross and, and become embraced in the L.A. scene. You know what I mean? No question. Yeah. So I didn't know if maybe that was felt living in it. No, nah, it was definitely felt... Um, it definitely is a shortage of people that were recognized at that time. You know, I think it was like when I was coming up, it was like this guy named uh, Cartoon. Mm -hmm. He was rapping with like Rough Riders, but he was like the Rough, the Rough Riders uh, West Division. Mm -hmm. Right. So he was from the IE. Then you got 40 Glock. Mm -hmm. Then you got, you know, uh, Hit Boy. He's from Fontana. He's from my city. Mm -hmm. You know, those were the examples. Yeah. You know, but everybody else was just like a hometown hero at that point. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, yeah, I, I feel like it's probably more scrutiny. uh or not even scrutiny, but just resistance from uh, from L.A., right? Because I feel like L.A. is such a, a pool, man. It's such a pool to draw yeah. from that, like, you know, they want to maintain that and they will maintain that. So it's like recognizing somebody else that's a little further east, you know, yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, that's not a given off top. That got to be earned. Yeah, because I mean? L.A. has so many little small pockets individually in and of itself. It's like yeah. then the I.E. all gets lumped together no question. because of that. Right. Whereas I'm sure the I.E. has a bunch of different sub-scenes so, sub as well. Man, I'm telling you. it's And it's cool, too, because like as I'm coming up and um, elevating as an artist, I'm connecting with cats that's like coming up and they they for, they getting their feet wet in the game and they're from the same cities that I'm from. Yeah, right. And I see their validity early. You know, and I'm linking with them early and like and like giving them whatever game I can give them in terms of like, yo, like all this L.A. I.E. stuff, that stuff is not real. Yeah. You know man. what I mean? It's not real. Like it's it's a uh, when you get older and wiser, you learn that kind of, of course, shit. of course, yeah. of course. But like, yeah. you know, for the moment, it's like a lot of those people ain't in that headspace. Yeah, you know, nah. they, they're only concerned with the division. But it's like, you know, good music's good music. Man. I think that's the only reason why I was able to resonate. I've done more shows in Los Angeles than I've even done in the Inland Empire period. Right. Right. So how does that happen? It's like, yo, like, you know, yeah. when it's real, it's real. How how'd you guys end up in Fontana? So Fontana, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was born in L.A. Yeah. And we just was moving a lot. And uh, first place we moved to was La Puente. Yeah. You know, it's like in the Inland Empire, like beginning of the Inland Empire. It's like a couple cities past Pomona. And uh, went from there to San Dimas, from San Dimas to Upland, from Upland to... Uh, you guys just did the we whole... We was bouncing, court, like, yeah. like two-year, three-year increments, but bouncing. So yeah. let me ask you this. I've heard from longtime Los Angeles residents that when... Maybe when families or people in a family get in trouble in L.A., <laughs> they might move either to, like, Palmdale or to the I.E. Hey, man. Talk about it, man. Is, it's that like, what, is that what happened? No, that's exactly what it is. You know, yeah. it's funny you, you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I just realized the block that I live on uh -huh. just so happens to also be the same block that Al Capone bought up. Oh, wow. A lot of people don't know he had a house in Fontana, and that was his getaway. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. And this was back in the day. Like, this yeah. was like, I don't know, like 50s, like whatever. Whenever yeah. he was in his heyday, that was his little dip. Is that where he died at in Fontana? I want to say he. it's possible. Do you know how Al Capone died? 
Yeah. Like of syphilis. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. He like died. It's kind of grimy. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, like he, man. Like supposedly he would be fishing in his back in his pool in his backyard because he was like like syphilis just yeah, makes man. your brain I melt. Think, basically, like, you know, I was just you know unsanitary gangsterism. Yeah, for real. You know what I mean? It's like we didn't elevated a long time <laughs> from that. You know what I mean? We we understand the importance. <laughs> yeah. He had to be the example, but nah. Like shout out to Al Capone though. Anyway, he the boss. We were whatever. That's, that's but, his getaway. But yeah. bro, his house is like on my block, and I didn't even know it. That's why. Except the street. And here's the crazy part. Yeah. My my block is distinctive for that section of Fontana because that block is the only block that has palm trees pe- paved all the way up and down the street. Yeah. And the only reason why them palm trees is there, bro, is because of Al Capone. Wow. He put them up so that he didn't have to go back and forth with whoever he was trying to communicate about the directions to where he was at. It's just like, yo, you get off of wherever, trees. you know, I'm right here. When you see the palm trees paved all the way up to my house at the end of the palm trees, because where the palm trees stop is his block. Oh, wow. And then it's train tracks after yeah. that, right? Yeah. So it's like he couldn't even put no more. He probably would have kept going. You right. know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, bro. Did you guys end up there as a getaway or, did, or was it just <laughs> work in Fontana? Man, um, <laughs> work in Fontana, man. It's funny. Uh, Fontana, man, it's an interesting place. Like, um, even work, as far as work goes, it's like, man, it's a trip, bro. Like, I, I really missed L.A., man. Like, if I grew up in L.A., I feel like I would have got, like, a lot further in certain capacities. Just for the fact, like, feel that. we don't have an art capacity, yeah. really. I mean, for the exception of, like, Riverside or, like, Redlands, like, you know, it's only so many outlets for us to, like, you know, do what we do. Yeah. So, um, and as far as work it's like, yo, like you could work at this warehouse. This warehouse is everywhere. Yeah. So you could go to this warehouse. You could, you know. Isn't that kind of interesting where even though Fontana is maybe 45 minutes away, an uh, hour away from L.A., something like that, it L.A. does feel like when you're not in it, it's like a different state or something. No right? question. And so it's like artists and th- creatives from across the country move to Los Angeles to try and find that creative work, mm-hmm. that's a daunting move, but it's just as yeah. daunting of a move from Riverside to LA. No you know question. What I mean? It really is. Yeah. It's uncharted territory. It's weird, huh? You know, and then what you what you find is like um it's very uh close knit a lot of these um small city. Well it's a lot of relationships that have been fostered just from people, you know, living here and, you know, just interacting. Like, that's what was always the thing for me. I always felt like I was playing yep. catch-up when I came to L.A. Right. It's like, I got to remind people that I'm a factor just for the simple fact I'm not in your face all the time. I'm not going to just run into you here or there, you know, so. Um, 100%. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's it's different that way, but at the same time, you know, it's a, I'm a firm believer that wherever you're at, no matter what it is, it's like, you just hone in and do yeah. something of substance that's going to resonate no, no matter where. You yeah, know. absolutely. That's real. And I feel like a lot, any opportunities that arose for me in the rap arena in the era when I was trying to do that was just because of like, I was around. Right. I was, I lived here. I was at every fucking show. Right. I always said hi to people. And so it was like, oh, we yeah. need an opening act for such and such. Oh, I just seen Lee. Let's, ha- let's have nah, him come that's what it is, man. Yeah. Like even LA is like very clicky. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm got I got a lot of acquaintances, but like, I only get so close with them just off the strength of like they're still evaluating me because I'm not in their face all the time. I'm you. like, you know, we haven't really cultivated a relationship, but they're definitely aware of the music, and, right. and I think that's the basis of the relationship. A lot of the times, it's like, yo, like I remember running into my dude, uh, Gas Lamp Killer. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm yeah. a huge fan. Him uh, showing love off the rip, man. Yeah, like, man, come through the house, man. Let me show you, you know. It's a lot of people that catch wind and, and embrace it, too. Right. No matter where I'm coming from, they just see the validity in the art itself. So, 
Well, it's interesting having that feeling of being like an outsider or making outsider art because I would look at the rappers that you are clicked up with as being like elite level. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, like snobby rappers, kind of. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah, with yeah, dudes bougie. that don't associate with other dudes. That's <laughs> yeah, how yeah, I yeah. looked at it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's like intentional a lot of the yeah. times. I think it's just people being free, man. Yeah. That's the thing I love about LA, too. It's just like, you know, um, it's unconstricted. Yeah. It's like you can be the individual that you are and be embraced for being that. So, like, um, totally. that's the beauty. And I think some of my peers are reflections of that. You know right, what I mean? right. Um, just, just embodying, you know, whatever they were trying to project creatively yeah. and just going crazy with it and, you know, not being fearful of, like, if people are going to cradle it or not. It's like, you know, I feel like a lot of my close peers in this, like, we all have the understanding of, like, we got to like it first. We got to love it first. And then that's it. Yeah. Like, if somebody else fuck with it, that's cool. But, right. like, you know, it's it's not a, it's it's not the driving force. Well, tell me this. What age did you finally land in Fontana and that's, like, home base? All right. How so old were you? Fontana... I was 14. Oh, okay. So you really jumped around a lot. Yeah. Okay. So why jumping around so much as a kid? And like, does that almost in hindsight feel like you were living like this military lifestyle where you're having to move every couple of years or something and make new friends all the time? Mm. It was so whack, man. Yeah. Like in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's it's still, it's still things that like I'm, um, dealing with as a grown man yeah behind how that like will affect somebody you know that's why i say like if i have kids i want them to like be in the same spot grounded you know what i mean because you know how you deal with people relationships that's all a reflection of that foundational kind of point yeah it's like it was a lot easier for me later in life for me to um you know meet people and like you know have these moments and then how just, often were you having to be the new kid man it was a, it was like every other year like really? or every that's hard yeah it was yeah. messed up because you're there and you meet all these new friends and you, you gain these relationships and then you just got to jet out yeah and then you know you how did you cope with that like what people skills did you pick up that way well i i first i like i recognize the value of like you know cultivating relationships with people yeah. like ongoing um and I also um, just got to this point where, like, <laughs> like I guess my value on relationships kind of doing do it a little bit, too. Uh-huh. Like, because I feel like it's always subject to change. It's like come and go a little bit. It's always subject to change. Yeah, change, yeah. What's, that th- what's that song? Like, uh, if there's one thing promises, change. Yeah, for sure. Right? But, like, why is this change happening, right? And yeah. that's that's the flip of it, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, um, yeah, man, just, just, just being, like, a lot, like— uh, looser with my relationships I got you. as opposed to like oh man it's my buddy like why were you guys bouncing around so much until you were 14 so my pops he was a um, musician yeah oh, okay. um, he's a vocalist so you got it in the blood I got it in the blood yeah, yeah. off top yeah. but um yeah he um you know saw some really big heights in his career yeah periods of time you know um certain business things go awry you know cert- certain people don't like start you know holding that end of the bargain and my pops got to take all that. And yeah. then we all got to take all that as a family. And I think that's like kind of the life of a musician, period. But at the same time, you know, um, what it does to the family unit is a whole different thing. You know, and that I think that was a reflection of it. It was like uh, my pops always up and down the highs and lows of a musician life. You know, was he gone a lot on the road and stuff? Yeah, I remember my pops being gone for like three months at a time being in Japan. He did a lot of international stuff. So huh. like he'd, he'd be out the country and sometimes it was for extended periods. 
Um, but yeah, he even even throughout the country though too. Yeah, you know, he, he did his thing, and you know, like I said, it was like he was on his his he was on his level for like a long time, and then you know, I remember we. We even had to fall back for a minute, bro. We didn't have nowhere to live. Oh, wow. And we had to live in a, uh, a Holiday Inn. Oh, no. How old were you when that happened? I was like uh, 13. Wow. It was me, my brother, and well, both my brothers and my sister. It was yeah. all of us in one little hotel room. And that that was for like four months. Wow. And then we finally got into these apartments. And, and that's that age, 13, where like, you got to hide that shit because you'll get flamed for that. Yeah, bro. Like, we were just like... Like, kids were savage when, when man, we Man, super savage. You know? Super savage. Yeah. But like, you know, like, that's the thing. My family, like, my, my siblings, they're my friends, man. Yeah. We like a little squad. So like, if anything, I feel like that experience has made us closer. How, how many siblings? It's, uh, it's four of us. Yeah. I'm the oldest. Okay. You know what I mean? So... It just made us closer, and then and then we're trying to embrace the good and not you know just dwell on the fact that we we hear it's right, like grateful that you have each other. Yeah, I mean, we center. can still go yeah. out and get in the jacuzzi out there here, and we, can, yeah. we we got a continental breakfast. They change the sheets for us. Yeah, you feel me? Yeah. Like it's not all bad, yeah, you know, nah. but it's just all you know how your mind is with it. You know? Right, right. Was mom in the picture too? Mom was in the picture for sure. Yeah, mom was a teacher. Oh, your mom's a teacher. My yeah. mom's a teacher. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, oh, that's sick. Yeah, I feel like uh, elementary. Was she an elementary school teacher? She was an elementary school teacher. Actually, she taught at uh, Fontana Middle School. There's a high ratio of rappers that, that have <laughs> elementary school teacher moms. Man, yeah. I feel like um, they, whether they want to or not, they embrace creativity. It's a component. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's a, it's a component. Yeah, no doubt. So when dad's gone uh, on the road, maybe in Japan or working on music. Your mom's taking care of the four of you guys. Well, she's working. She's working. So how are you guys getting by? Latchkey kids? Or? Uh, man, we was just outside. Yeah. You know, we're you know that generation of the kids that used to go outside. We used to go outside and like we wouldn't always come home when the light come on like how we were supposed to. Nah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But that doesn't mean we was doing bad stuff. But we were definitely unsupervised. Definitely just out there, just you know, getting into whatever because you know. Then yeah. even when my pops was home, you know, he's not like my mom. Um. He intrinsically just doesn't know how to like, uh, like be like a like a like a uh, what's the word, man? He's just not like a great father figure. He's not like a caregiver. He's not the caregiver like my like my mom. He he's a friend dad. He's just like a chill like like I could probably do whatever yeah. and like as long as my mom don't like see what's up like yeah. he ain't really gonna trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel you. No lie, but you know, hey, you know, you need you need somebody to you know check you every now and again. Bo- both your parents still here, still alive, still here. Yeah, yeah. How how's the relationship with them now? It's great. Yeah, it's great, man. Like, um, you know, I'm just so grateful that like was born in a musical family. Um, Can your mom sing too? My mom, yeah, she sang with like Ramsey Lewis back in the day, Earth yeah. Wind and Fire. She's a background singer. She, yeah, she uh, she actually got a tape of some rare joints from her that are like crazy. Like, no way. To, yeah, kind of expose those in a little bit too. But that's um, tight. Yeah, I'm just grateful because I I wouldn't even be where I'm at with this if it wasn't for that. So, yeah. Um, beyond all the whatever, it's just like yo, like thank you for you know instilling it in me because you know that made me who I am and I love who I am. So it's, right, you know, right. Are you mixed ethnicity? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom's black and uh, Indian, like Native American. Okay, yeah. And um, my dad, he's black, but his his mom was white, so he's mixed. Oh, okay. He's like half white. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I imagine growing up as a kid, everybody's always asking you, "What are Man, you?" Or crazy. something, right? That's like, like the, always right. And how does that affect your mentality oh, as a man, youth? It got tricky, bro. Yeah. Like, it was like, especially in California, like you know. It's a lot of confines 
to where like somebody like myself is the glitch in the matrix. Yeah. Because you're constantly getting evaluated and trying to like, you know, right. people sizing you up, like, you know. Cause I spent some time in Chicago. Yeah. That's where my grandmother's from. So I was out there for like five years. Like I was gonna say, you don't really have a Los Angeles accent. Yeah, nah, nah. I got a lot of I got a lot of game from Chicago, yeah. man. That's a lot of experience I got in Chicago, bro. Yeah. And I was like really out there. So it's a mix, you yeah. know. Cause even uh it was funny, I first go out there and they you know, easily identify that, like, I'm a tourist, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. oh, you're from Cali, just how I speak. Right. But then I come back from there, you know, getting them shades from them, and, like, now my, they're like, wait, wait, you know what I'm saying? I'm throwing yeah. slang around that don't even matter. You know what I mean? Right. People don't even know what's going on. That's just, you know, you move anywhere, like, you're going to absorb certain things. Right. But, like, that's probably where it come from. So growing up here, though, uh, how does that affect your experience in the Inland Empire, which I think of as, like, predominantly white and Chicano yeah, or well, white well, and Hispanic? Well, it yeah. Gets, yeah, it gets tricky, like, you know, just it's really just identifiability all the time. It's yeah. like uh, it gets tricky with the— uh, with the Chicano sometimes because they see me and they think like I'm either Mexican or I'm yeah. Puerto Rican or I'm Cuban or whatever. Right. But it's never what I actually am a lot of times. And then I see like m some of my homies that's black and they yeah. know automatically like I'm black but I'm mixed. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's really just, you know, who the perception's coming from that right. like gauges it. But like, uh, yeah, man, it gets tricky, bro. It gets tricky. Like yeah. um, I've had like a couple little situations in the past where it's just like, you know, it's just extra static that comes to the table just from you being who you are with that and the fact that you're bouncing around from school to school every two years yeah. and you know schools are clicky too just like rap yeah. scenes and so it's like did you did you seek out like oh i'm gonna hang out with the black kids at this new school or or like me i was um i was cool with everybody man. yeah like i was the type of cat like you know it's circles at at the schools for sure yeah you know what i mean but um I was never like a regular at any particular circle. I was just like, Bounce you know, I might got a man over here. That's yeah. that's my dude over here with that. And, you know, like yeah. I was just always versatile. And I think that may be a reflection of the ambiguity. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, me being like, able to like kind of uh, blend in. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like I could probably, it's a blessing, man. It's a gift and a curse, but I feel like it's a blessing. Like I feel like I could be anywhere in the world, you know, and kind of just, you know, blend if yeah. I peep the environment and see, like, you know, so. I know you're at that age where you got the the grown man strength and grown man size, but w w did you all, were you always pretty, like, brolic as a kid? Like, uh, did you play sports and shit? Yeah, I played sports. I played football. Uh, yeah. Football was, like, my main thing. Right. But I was in this little league where we, like, switched sports depending on what was on TV. So, like, you know, if you we were watching basketball, we balling. But I excelled the most in football and, like, baseball. Those was like my favorites. Where'd you play in baseball? First base? Uh, I was catcher. Ca oh, catcher. All right. Playing sports as a kid, did you excel enough to where like you you had like college dreams? So of, yeah, it's crazy because like literally like music was the uh, definitive uh, shift. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I, I my freshman year of high school. Yeah. You know, and like everybody, you know, I went to school in eighth grade because I went to one school, seventh grade, mm -hmm. then I went to a different school, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I went into high school with everybody from that eighth grade yeah. class. And, like, football was going to be the thing. That was the move. And it was just like, um, I uh, I experienced that hell week. You know what I mean? Fuck it. And at the same time, simultaneously, I was getting more into the music, um, just writing. Already as a freshman? Yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. I've been writing since, like, junior high. Yeah. But, like, really getting, like, yo, I could do this for real. Like, um, that was freshman year. And so it was basically like, yo, do I want to show up and, like, max my body out every day? Or do I want to, like, 
you know, diss class and smoke with the homie and like and record on Born his out. mom's on his mom's uh when bro, we was recording on his mom's built in mic on her uh desktop. Yeah. Early on, bro. Yeah. And uh so I chose what, that. on like Acid Pro or something or what were you guys? Acid Pro. Yeah. Stop it. Come on, Acid dog. Pro. I was I was there. We we mess with Cakewalk every yeah. now and again, but yeah. we liked Acid though. If you had a PC you know, Acid Pro was that one. No that, like, question. It yeah. was easy to figure out. Bro, it was so user friendly. Yeah, very much. It was the garage band of PCs. Exactly. Really. Yeah. And it was so easy to chop samples yeah, and all totally. this stuff. We didn't have no equipment like that. I learned that. To, I, that was the first thing I ever made beats on was like looping on Acid yeah, Pro, dog. Likewise. I was on the boards and everything. No, nah, likewise. That's what we did, bro. We was going through the homies' mom's like CD collection, just, you know, finding samples, listening to old stuff. And that was kind of the entry to all of it. Yeah. Who, what was your friend's name that you was doing that? It's with? my boy, none other. From uh, the Inland Empire, my boy Patrick. Yeah. To this day, it's, it's one of my homies, bro. Day one, like, he was kind of like a um, an important component for, like, ushering me into this, too. You mm-hmm. know, I learned a lot from him. I, it's, it's bars that he got that the world has never heard that, like, still mess me up when I think about it. No him. shit. Swear to God, man. That's he was dope. nice. My man's nice. Shot to none other. Right? That's dope. Man, so, all right, 14, that's when you decide that you want to, like, do this rap shit. Yeah. So... Then what is it like? Fuck school, or did you did you did you ever care about well, school? Nah, nah. I always kind of hated school. Yeah, and not really because like I'm opposed to learning. Yeah, but it was just like um, the structure. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like um, I I ended up finishing at a continuation school. Oh shit! Because I I like <laughs> failed miserably. Yeah. Because as soon as I locked in with the music, it was just like. That was the head was bro. elsewhere, bro. I remember I flunked everything but PE, and I think PE like I got like a C in. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear, like I'm not stupid, man. Yeah. Like it was just like I just didn't care. Like, right. I just, I, I, By that point, if you don't care about sports either, it's like you don't really have any reason to pay attention. That's the thing, and like even when I left, I was like, man, I gotta leave all the homies. Like I've, I've been going to school with, but like they were on a whole different page with like the football. You know, they trying yeah. to hit varsity and all this like you know, athletic stuff. And I'm over here just trying to get my bars up yeah. and learn how to make, you know, make this sample work and like, you know, pitching, pitching knobs, bro. But so here's the thing is that you're a real rapping ass rapper, like <laughs> bars and, and words and vocabulary. And so I feel like at some point you must've had a teacher that's like, Oliver, what are you doing? Why are you fucking up? You're too smart for this. <laughs> yeah, I had a um that was that was my creative uh writing teacher. Of course. Her because you're probably a great creative writer. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. But I failed that shit too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm you not gonna lie. Nah, you know yeah. why, bro? Cause like my teacher was like this fake woke like lady. She came in like she, with a dashiki on, was burning incense, but she was a white lady though. Wow. So it was just weird. Like I was just Rachel like, Dolezal yeah, was teacher. Yeah, I was just shit. like, come on, man. I was like, but you know, she definitely was like trying to enforce that vibe. And for that, you know, I, I bless her heart. You know what I mean? But I just didn't catch to it from who it was coming from. You know? I got you. Um, so that was more of it. But at the same She's time. She's trying to dangerous minds you or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? And also it was kind of from the perspective of like, like I'm not, I know how to write creatively. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know like your, your. It just made sense to you inherently. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's like sexual. Whatever I'm doing when I leave class is like the same stuff that you're trying to praise or not praise in yeah. the classroom. So I'm, to myself, I'm just like, let me just keep cultivating on my own. Because that's, right. I feel like that would take me further and it would be more valid or at least more like satisfying yeah. at the end of it all. You know? Talk to me about that time period where you're trying to get your bars up like. 
who are you listening <laughs> to? Is it more Ooh. underground stuff or is it like mainstream stuff? Like who spoke to you at that moment? It's a mix of like all of that, man. Oh, yeah. All of that. Because um, I know you're it, being in the IE, really you are in an epicenter of yeah. LA underground rap at that time because there was a bunch of great venues out there. No question. Yeah. Nah, nah, no question. Some legendary venues. We were talking about the Glass House. No, earlier. of course. Glass of course, House legendary. Bro, I've yeah. seen so many crazy Same. joints there, Dog, man. I saw Black Eyed Peas there when they were bro, still come break on, dancing. Man. And I think a lot of people have those, those moments yeah. at yeah. the glass house where like 300 people you know what I'm saying? that's what i'm saying intimate settings man like really killing it but yeah you know i think really more than anything man it was just like um you know just me trying to like listen to people that resonated with me my first cd that i ever got like my first rap cd was a uh, hard knock life volume two. Oh, that classic right and classic still bro. Love and like album. jay i'm like a, you know i rock with jay but yeah. um but more for the style man you yeah. know what i mean everybody praise him as a businessman which he is ill but like i feel like jay's nice too man yeah, you absolutely. know the way he does his thing is nice and i took a, a bar from that but it was also um you know, my father, like I said, actually, prior to that, my first tape, my first cassette tape was The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. And it was because my pops ran into them on some, it was like a festival or something, and they was like back there, and he rocked with them. Yeah. And they gave them, uh, they tape. Wow. Yeah, and he brought it back. And, you know, my pops, he don't like rap and all yeah. that. Like, he'll front like he gonna listen, but he ain't listen to that shit. Right. But he, he threw it to me, and I listened to it, and, like, you know, I was tapped in after that. So those were the first early examples. But you know, coming up, like I said, it was it was everything, man. It was like it was you know the Jay Z's, the Nas's, to the um, you know, like you said, shapeshifters, yeah. Hyro, yeah, you know, Hyro is a huge uh, one. You know, living legends. You living know, legends. I tapped in with all of those, yeah. man, visionaries, all of them, bro. Like I was uh, tapped in, yeah. And um, you know, at the time when I was first rapping, I wasn't so engulfed in the. Uh, Cause you know that's this is pre-internet, right? Yeah, of course. Right, so the underground was really underground. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's uh -huh. like you really like don't ask, don't tell. It's like yeah, you there don't was know. no social media back. I, I mean, when I first moved to Pomona, bro, I remember smoking outside with some random kid, dude, yeah. and he's like. Oh, you like you like underground rap? He's like, oh, you gotta check out this group, the Living Legends, dog. Come They're so on. underground. My brother would be mad at me if I told you about them. <laughs> and I was like, what? I so gotta, this is classified. So I gotta go hop on IIRC or whatever and look that shit up or Napster. It was like maybe Stop. Napster had just come out. Stop, man. You know? Napster, yeah, I remember Napster. That was yeah. crazy. Nah, yeah, man. It was like it was the same for me. It was yeah. like the kids on the bus that knew. Like at lunchtime, I was going like have some bars. Yeah, they was the ones that was trying to strengthen that, so they're giving me music to kind of like marinate on, to kind of like dissect and like take something from. Yeah, you know? and shout out to them. Like I, it was a lot of homies like that. Man. Around that time, there was like a burgeoning battle rap scene too. Like, this is pre nah, no like question. what we think about battle rap today, <sighs> but man. it's also pre Eight Mile. Were you involved man, in a lot of that? Man, like no lie. Yeah, those are my origins. Yeah. I was the kid in high school that went to both lunches. Not because, like, I'm a fat ass, but because, like, I had to battle that dude. Yeah. And he was like, he didn't go to this lunch. He go to the next lunch, so I got to go there. Or, like, all the MCs is, like, in that circle. You yeah. Know? It was a circle. And, you know, it was way more of that kind of presence back in the day. Yeah. You know? I, like, I don't even think kids even know what the, It's not even valid no more, right? It's like, Do you know what I remember about my first rap? So I never got to go to rap shows in Alaska. We didn't have those. But when I moved to California that first year, like... I was going to a rap show and then a punk show and then a rap show and then, uh, right. every fucking night of the week right. just about, right? But right. the thing that I remember about underground hip-hop shows then is that between sets, the DJs didn't play songs. They played beats 
and circles broke out in the crowd and we would start freestyling come together on, we would that, cipher at the shows come on that's man. my first experience as rapping was that you fam know? i i, I yeah. can relate bro it was very similar yeah i remember uh rapping over certain beats um you know, early on, like early uh, Mob Deep instrumentals and shit. Yo, they, before, when they used to throw on the realist, bro, like we would go on, crazy. Man, come on, come like on. he he had this other one. I, I forget. I, I Quiet Storm or something. I, it was well, Quiet Storm. Quiet yeah, Storm was, was huge. At that, that was time. ridiculous. Yeah, but it was more. It was some ALC shit. It was some Alchemist shit. But it was like Heyday Alchemist. Uh, yeah. When he really was tapping into that style type shit, it was yeah. crazy and like that's why it was. It blew my mind working with him later on, bro. You know. Oh, you I mean? done shit with Alchemist? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was I'm on, jealous. Nah, That's yeah, yeah, nah, I was on uh, the Good Book Volume Two. Amazing. And uh, and then I just put out a record this year called Headed for the Cash that he produced. No shit. Yeah, man, that's fucking dope. Yeah, but it's tripped out, bro, because like. I was a kid rapping to his beats, loving his work. That guy's like uh, immortal or something. He's, goat, he, he's like, he's like, I don't. He's just like getting better he with only age. Gets better with age, man. And he's just like, he's just like a magician, man. Yeah, he's a magician. Like he just. Because we did his album, that joint, in 2017. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, what a full circle, amazing accomplishment to, like, get to work with somebody that you grew up listening to. You Bro, know I could have I mean? got hit by a car that day and it wouldn't matter. I would have died happy. happy. Swear. Yeah. Swear. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but wait, go back to, like, rapping at the lunchroom tables and shit. Take me to that. Yeah, man. Like I said, bros, like, you know, um, I was the type, man. I, I came from the battle scene. I, yeah. I respected the battle scene. I'm like the smack DVD kid, you know, yeah. when that was early, when I was first cracking. So I always admired, you know, cats that, you know, could do that, you know. Right. And uh, I... Would was, you be entering competitions locally? It wasn't even that serious. Yeah. As much as it was... It was more just a way for me to hone my skills yeah. on some personal type stuff. But, like, when I knew, like, as a kid at the school and, like, you know, he fired up. He think, you know, it's like, I got to shut you down. Yeah. And that was always my, my MO. Nerd out with me for a second and yeah, talk to yeah. me about, like, the actual style. Because back then. Oh, man. Because I think that even though the Smack DVD tapes or Smack tapes and all that shit, it was, like, pre-Ritz. Yeah. The West Coast shit was, like, freestyle, freestyle. No question. So were you at the lunchroom freestyle, freestyle? I was freestyling. Yeah. You know, like, it, it would go from... Certain days it would just be battles, yeah, right. Or certain days it would just be freestyles. But yeah. like I was participating in all of that. Okay, but my, yeah. but my, where I got my most juice, I feel like from other people early on, yeah, was me pulling your card on some battleship. Okay, like, yeah, that was always my thing. Right? Like preparing for it, having the pen out. Yeah, yeah bro. Okay. Like, but like, but like, just being there, like. It was really more improv, bro. Okay, yeah. You know, it's like, it's it's summertime, bro. We about to be out of school and you want to battle me, but, like, you got a South Pole sweater on. Yeah. And, like, why would you do that? Why right. would you wear that and try to battle me, you right. know? And so I'm, I'm, so I'm, roasting people. I'm getting on that. But if I didn't see that, it's not like I'm coming with nothing pre-written. It's just, like, that raw organic, you yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and that's what it was, bro. I used to have cats throw me words. I peeped that shit from uh, Eminem back in the day. Similarly, at shows, at the area that we was going to shows, Supernat used to be at every show Respect. opening coming out as a special guest and he was the king of like I mean like everyone has ripped off his fucking shtick at this point where it's legend. like hold up a, an object and yeah. I'll rap about it throw out yeah. a word and I'll rap about it like yeah. I feel like Supernat was yeah no question the OG He's of one that of the pioneers no question For sure. but you know even us we were so uh we were so crazy with it like we had confines and rules to the game yeah you know it was like like it's like I say basket but like it's easy for you to just say rap about a basket, but yeah. it's not easy for you to like keep using 
the rhyme scheme for that original word. It's, that's not easy to do. Nah, and nah. that was the rule. Like, the minute that you break that, then you lose. Right. That helped me understand words and how to use words and um, how to play with words. That's you know the, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. As, a, as a writer, you know what I mean? So, yeah, man. A lot of that, though. So so you flunk out <laughs> of school and go to the continuation school. You get it was your horrible. G, you get your GED? I got my diploma. The diploma, yeah. I got okay. an actual diploma, oh, and I go. graduated with like a 3.85 GPA. You did it. But I would have never did that at a conventional yeah, high school, yeah. but it was just so dumbed down, like their whole agenda. Like, right. It was so trash that like it was easy for somebody that's actually smart to and wants to get out. Right. I mean, it was just like everybody that went there was just like, you know, either banged out or like they had a whole class that of just uh pregnant chicks oh yeah you know what yeah. i mean so it was really it was you know it was kind of rough but like yeah. uh, i just wanted to get out and it was easy for me you know? so i would assume after you graduate from there you didn't have any college plans though um i actually like initially did you did i went to college for a quick second yeah where'd um, you go i went to citrus okay citrus college yeah. in uh Glen- glendora yeah yeah so i was going for audio engineering okay and i thought that was that was the ticket right because that's like how you can keep making music come on but and like you, you know, know what i'm saying you know like, what I'm talking about be doing it even when you're not exactly doing it and i'm make like some money. i'm still in that world so it's like whatever happens is it's good for like the ultimate right yeah, of me yeah. projecting and doing what i want to do so right. i did that and quickly realized like the first semester that like you know this is really more so focusing on like the technical aspect it's very technical right and and that is important right yeah. because like if you know how to engineer all your own stuff and yeah. do it yourself that that you know you you got one up on somebody else but, but you're in there like what the fuck this is an acid pro well, yeah That's- you feel me <laughs> nah nah i'm like yo like i don't even know what all this does yeah. like i just know it looks cool but like yeah. i don't really need it for what i do and at a, yeah at a certain point you have to realize as a rapper you really don't need to know a lot of that nah, stuff because man. it's like well, it's really just a, a i feel like a you track and a mic yeah like for me it's always like it's always been i learn it as I need to learn it right and when I say that I mean like I I need to I'm hearing this in my head and I don't know what I need to use to to make this actually happen right so it's like oh it's a compressor stupid right or like whatever right Right. so it's moments like that it's like I'm incrementally learning as the need progresses it's like the need to want to learn how to record live instruments or and include that in you know whatever like it's just just the need so after you quickly realize that audio engineering school isn't for you then what then um just came a lot of a lot of fuck shit yeah just a lot of like just um drifting like were you getting into trouble or were you keeping Um, it a little bit man i was you know just being young and like you know aimless honestly i'm gonna keep it real though like even amidst those like moments like i feel like the music's ultimately what kept me grounded, though. Right. You know what I mean? Because it was always, like, that, like, okay, you could go there and do that if you want to do that, but, like, you may not ever have this again. So what's more important? Right. You know what I mean? Because I knew uh, even then the importance and the significance of, like, the music for me at that time and yeah. what it did for me, you know, therapeutically. Um, it was just really where my heart was at. So it was like, you know. So were you holding down jobs at the time in order to support <sighs> the music? Yeah, I was like doing little like temp jobs at like warehouses. And yeah. Still creating and, you know, um, yeah, just like just trying to stay afloat, man. Just keep my head above water. But like it wasn't a good environment for me, bro, because like you get consumed by that. 
like you, there's no way you can be like call yourself being a real artist and exist in those places because like it just drains you of all of that. It absolutely does because then you find yourself trying to be creative in the like oh uh, the three hours you have when you get off work exactly and, it, and then and, by then you're so maxed out and yeah. you know it's like man what do I really want to do you got to have that driving force to really accomplish it. So then how did you did you make a decision to break well, out of that in order to concentrate on the artistry? I moved to Chicago. That's when you did. I moved to Chicago because I got like. My play cousins, uh, they mom's a friend of mine or whatever. We yeah. kind of like always had a connection, but they do music. They um, Their parents did jingles for Oprah Winfrey okay. and all that, right? So like they had a whole compound, like three studio unit, like in Evanston in Chicago. Okay. And uh, they were doing shows. They had a manager. They were like going doing college dates. Yeah. And they, they knew I was nice, bro, even then. Like, they, they had heard some of the music I did early on, and they were like, man, you, you want to change the environment? Come out here. You get some money, we'll pay you for the shows. Like, you can record an album. And that's that was the move. Did they bring you out on some, like, you could write for us because we got stuff going for nah, you? No, it wasn't or, even that heavy. No. It was more just like... They rocked with me anyway on a personal level. Yeah. Like that's those like my favorite like play cousins, man. Yeah, Cause totally. like when I come to Chicago, it's always love and yeah. you know, uh just all kind of we had all kind of experiences, but like they were always heavy with the music and they knew how, you know, I didn't necessarily have the resources they had at that time. Yeah. Like I didn't have access to a big studio and right. all this stuff. So I think it was them trying to just like, you know, just kind of give me Help some game out. with that. Yeah, 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 you feel me? Like, so you're playing shows and shit in Chicago? Yeah, man. We were doing them in Chicago, and then, like, we did the Bud Billiken Parade. Uh, that was, like, this little Evanston little thing that happens every year. We did a couple dates in the city. We did uh, Cornell College in Iowa. We yeah. went to Iowa, did a show. That was, yo, that's still, like, to this day, the liveest show that I've ever done in my no life. No shit. Swear, man. Yeah. And it's like... You go there and it's so like country and like like you're just evaluating everything because you're like I don't know how I'm gonna be perceived out here either. But like, bro, so much love, That's bro. Dope. Like on a college syndicate, it was just like man, parties, like all kind of love, man. I remember playing college shows; those are very fun. Yeah, man. Very That's fun. where it's at, man. I'm trying to play some right now. Like, it, while you're in Chicago for five years, do you get like deeply involved in a Chicago scene, or were you again just kind of like in an island with your play cousins? Well, um, simultaneously. My real cousin, yeah. Jeremiah J. That's your real cousin? That's my blood cousin. We Get got the, the same grandmama. His, his mama and my mama are sisters. Did not know that. So that I wonder why on. you guys collaborate right? so much. Yeah, yeah. of course, man. It's, it's, that's grassroots, yeah. right, when I came to Chicago. Like, we always, you know, we always visited the Chicago um, and saw them, but at the time we weren't always making music. But then around that time, Jay was brewing. You yeah. know what I mean? That was, like, like early on Jeremiah J stuff. And... Um, yeah, he decided for a minute, he, he stopped doing the music for a minute and went to school. Yeah. And then that's when I was kind of on my way with my play cousins. But this is all Chicago, right? So it's like, he came back, he decided to leave school. The whole thing, uh, in essence, kind of fell through with my play cousins in terms of that situation because they lost their manager. Uh -huh. So he was the one kind of lining dates and making things happen, you know. Um, and when they lost him, it was just kind of dead. Right. So then I'm just up in Evanston and it's just like, I've kind of absorbed everything from this situation. It's like, let me go see what's up with Jay. Yeah. And so I moved to my grandma's house because my, you know, my cousin stayed with my grandmother. And um, 
yeah, we just started cultivating, bro. And that's literally. Are like, you older or younger than him? Is I'm you guys older. the same age? Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm older by like five years. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Had he already started creating a buzz or was he just kind so, of. He was a visual artist. Okay. That was his thing. He went to art school and I um, didn't know that. he was a vi- strictly a visual artist at yeah. the time, but he was tapping into music when Fruity Loops kind of popped. Yeah. You know, we both had Fruity Loops and we were like trading, you know, that information back and forth. But um, yeah, initially. That was his thing. And I think it's still kind of like his driving force is his visual art. He's one of my favorite visual artists. But as dope as he is with that, you know, um, yeah, like I said, grassroots. We just kind of started right there at my grandma's house. And nobody knew. Actually, I remember how the whole thing happened with uh, him and Brain Feeder. I remember when he got signed. I mean, I remember when he got signed, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was really, man, shout out to my dude, uh, Sam I Am, man. Yeah. That's my dude right there. Like, like. And he's a beast, but like amazing producer. But yo, man, yeah. crazy. But like, he's really the guy that heard Jay's. Jay was doing remixes yeah. or like doing these little instrumental joints, and Sam heard uh, one of the remixes and you know started playing it, and then he threw it to Lotus, and that's initially how the whole thing kind of how they got tapped in. Yeah. I remember that era because I remember Flying Lotus being like, yeah, nah, Brain Feeder's never going to sign rappers. And then they signed Jeremiah J and one other rapper too at the same time. Nah, it was a a ZZ Gibson. Oh, yeah, ZZ. That's right. Well, honestly, to be honest, it's funny because a lot of people think that Azizi was the first, but yeah. but Jay was the first. Right. And then Azizi and then the underachievers, I think, for a minute. Oh, right, you know right, I mean? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it was like raising eyebrows for sure at first. Like, yeah. It was different, but... uh you know, I was there when he curated that whole first album, man. Like, yeah. I've, I've been there the whole time, man. And like, yeah. I, That's amazing. Stripped out, bro. Yeah. It's a lot of history. Like, so you guys have been collabing for much longer than just like the record that you have. You know, the potency, the, the potency is only a reflection of like that. Because yeah. like, you know, even when you talk about Griselda, like, I didn't know all of them were, like, related. Like, yeah, but when yeah. I hear the music, it's like, yo, that's a different level of interaction at that point. Yeah. Because it's like... <laughs> it's like, yo, nobody's trying to son nobody on no personal level. Why? Because we family. Right. It's just like, yo, we're, we're, it's like iron sharpen iron. It's like, I know what you do well, and you know what I do well. We just, you know, chisel right. each other type. Um, That's so dope. Yeah, it's always what it was with me and Jay. We yeah. got stuff that, like, the world hasn't heard that, like, maybe one day. But, like, all of those were, like, entry-level efforts. Yeah. Up until when he got signed, Raw Money Raps, you know, and then he kind of helped usher me into, into the shit, you know. In what sense? In the sense of, you know, he was always a team player. Yeah. He, it was never always, like, about Jeremiah J. Let me reword that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about what happens with your career at that point. Like, do yeah. you do you have a lot of, like, brushes with fame, like, close encounters where it's like, this might be the this might be the thing? Too many. Yeah, so tell me about some Too of many. them, if you don't mind. Oh, man, like, um, I remember South by Southwest yeah. doing that the first time. Yeah. And um, I remember getting to the terminal. I changed planes in San Francisco, and I get to the terminal. It's like seven in the morning. No one's there except for Nipsey Hussle. Oh wow! Right? Yeah. And and uh, I think Karen Civil. Oh yeah. I didn't know who Karen Civil was at the time. Right. I wish I did, but right. like, yeah, I knew who Nip was, and he was right there, and he was knocked out. And like, I got geeked just you know because I was familiar with his work yeah. already. But um, yeah, man, I get on the plane. We share the same flight. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to press him, man. I'm just going to keep it cool. But, like, I got to give it up at some point. So we went to baggage claim, and I seen him. And uh, showing love, I, I just just pushed up on him. Like, hey, yeah. you know, love your work. You know, telling him where I'm performing. He told me where he was performing. And I'll never forget, man, the last thing he told me, man. And it just, it's, it's still, like, kind of, like, stay with me. And it could have just, in my head, too, I was thinking, like, 
he probably say this to everybody. Yeah. Just on some cliche, like, uh, you know. Standard. Like, standard, yeah. like set the tone type right. stuff. You got these default things you put in people to just rattle them up. Of course. But he said, you know, I shook up with him. And he told me, he was like, I'll see you at the top. Oh. He said, I'll see you at the top. And I was like, damn, like, why'd you tell me that, man? Yeah. Like, you're you're that dude, bro. Like, right. like you just charged me up so much with that, you know? So uh, that made me feel that much closer. Yeah. Right. Um, even meeting, uh, I remember I did Sam I Am's, uh his release party yeah. in 2016 for uh, Animals Have Feelings. Uh-huh. And it was me on that record. It was an instrumental album, but it had a couple rappers on it. It was Action, it was me, it was Jay, and it was Earl. Yeah. And like, um, you know, even chopping it up backstage with Raj G, you know, RIP, Legend. man. Yeah, RIP. Uh, he was my favorite backstage, you know, cat, man, because yeah. like, we always going to smoke heavy. We always going to have some laughs. We're going to talk about real shit. And uh, just being in that circle with him, it was knowledge. I'm a, I'm a, man, knowledge is my, like. Well, so, and I guess as, like, when, when I'm also talking about, like, your personal brushes with fame, I'm talking more, like, did you have label meetings? Did you have, were there ever those chances where it looked like this is going to be the thing that, like, makes me break through? Um, truth be told, nah. Because that's the thing is, like, in listening to your music, you are such a, just a good fucking rapper like you're just very good at rapping and i'm like i just don't understand like what do you think in your heart of hearts kept you from hitting that next level personally on some um, self-awareness i think it was myself yeah in what way i think um allowing myself to get caught up in like you know the gripes of life yeah. You know, in certain moments, like, because like you said, I fell back. You know, you might have heard about me uh, 2013, 2014, right. even 15. Right. But like I took a little hiatus around 16, 17. And yeah. that was more so just me trying to accommodate my responsibilities as a man. Yeah. Outside of the rap shit. Just taking care of business. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like rap wasn't like paying the bills. At exactly. That, at that moment. Right? Exactly. Even though I had I, I felt like it could. Yeah. I've never stopped feeling that way. But like. It just wasn't the reality. And so that's what it was. It was me falling back and trying to figure out how to harness um, doing this and still being able to generate an income to self-sustain. You well, know, and that's part of the man. reason that I wanted to bring you on, because uh, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall, I, I know like our output looks kind of similar. My last record came out in 2014. Your last record that's on Spotify was 2013 right. with Jeremiah J. Right. And then all of a sudden out the blue in 2020, you put out this great record. And I went, what happened in those yeah, seven yeah. years? Yeah, we'll see. Even uh, even that, right? Raw High, that was like yeah. the pinnacle. Yeah. Even for Jay too, right? Yeah. We, we hit a lot of heights um, that were, weren't anticipated with that. We yeah. dropped it for free. Uh, we had Hit and Run uh, uh, crew from Los Angeles. They do live screen printing. Yeah. Uh, but they also have a label where they, um, yep, yep, you yep. know, they allow the independents to do their thing. You know, right. they, they give us deals and make opportunities happen. Um, we rocked with them. You know, we got the vinyl. We had some tapes. We had some merch. Um, but that was more like a one-off type deal. Yeah. Um, you know, we still maintain a relationship. But, um, you know, that was real high. That was kind of the kickstart. And then that kind of trickled into my solo EP, the kill off, which yeah. was like 2014, okay, or like really it was like December 2013, right. was like right after that. But like uh, the vinyl didn't drop till like next year, so right. like it was like January. So really like 2014, and then everything in between, bro, was me kind of reassessing too, like on some creative stuff, like how do I come harder, like or solidify all of this, like yeah. And then I kind of scrambled, you know, uh, 
creatively and kind of was just in the standstill of like this it's not ready yet like more on some dre uh overthinking perfectionist type kind of stuff yeah you know what i mean it's just like you know it's no room for that when you're when you're trying to make a name for yourself and it's early you know what i mean because people people want to see that work because a a good poem is never finished merely forgotten right you know right uh you could sit and fucking stew over every line uh, until the cows come home but it's like at a certain point and it even got to a point where i was kind of on some like the Lil Wayne or the underground type stuff because I was on a bunch of features, uh-huh. you know, and that's how a lot of the relationships happen too. Like I uh, do some joints with John Wayne, you know, when he was on Stone's Throw, yeah. you know, because I'm on cassette three, I'm on like a couple different tapes from him, right. rocking with K-Town Oddity, you yeah. know, uh, early shout on. Shout out K-Town Oddity. Yeah, shout out to K-Town, yeah. um, you know, rocking with Taz Arnold. Yeah. A lot of people that was like kind of helping, you know, bridge the gap, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's all I was doing was features. But at the same time, it was like, yo, people are tired of the features. Like, we want a whole body of work. Right. You know what I mean? And all I had at that moment was the kill off. And it was more so just me scrambling, bro, overthinking and just like, you know, feeling like it wasn't ready yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it got even worse, too, when like the shit with Alchemist happened and Sam I Am, because now it's at a different sonic place. Yeah. And now people are like gauging you different because it's Al. Like, you know, it's that tripped me out, too, seeing how people gauge you off of like, some of those co- collaborations too. It's like they, In what si- way? They, they just size you up different. Yeah. Cause it's like what make you so special type shit, right? People are going, why are you on this tape next to these other people that are so well known or whatever? Yeah, I'm from the IE, man. Yeah. It's a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. Well, but how. I'm not trying to sound like one of them, but yeah, how does that Alchemist fucking collaboration oh, happen? Oh, man. Shh, man. Well, really, that was just God. Yeah. <laughs> that was like me being in the right place, right time type situation. It was like. Uh, we initially went over there. Uh, I was with my man Cohen. Actually, I just did the project. With, yeah, um, we were cool back then because uh, I was on a feature. Who, that's who produced Lingua Franca. He produced Lingua Franca, yeah. Franca in entirety. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so it was with him, right? Because at the time we had a relationship. Because I did a record with him when he was on Stone's Throw. Okay. Yeah, so we were vibing a lot, creating. He was like, "Man, like, go see my homie Al real quick." I'm like, "Okay," and so I, I'm driving. So I'm like, "You don't realize it's." Alan nah, the he didn't elaborate, man. I was like, what the? So I'm with my cousin Jay, too. I'm with Jeremiah Jay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we pull up, bro, and we, we right here at this spot, like this flat, like this. I'm like, man, who is this, man? Yeah. And it's Al at the door, bro. And I'm like, man, what the hell? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. But we were there um, to rock with Sam I Am. Okay, yeah. Because Sam wanted us on that, on that record. Right. You know what I mean? So he hollered at us like, hey, come through. But I guess him and Al got a great relationship working-wise because, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, they'd known each other a you know, long Al's time. Al's like the big homie, man. Like he takes certain cats under his wing yeah. and hone them when he see that spark. He is. He's you know a mentor I mean? and a big brother to so many people no in the scene. And he really, yeah, he has a, a way of making everyone sound better as well, No too, question. You know? He's a master curator, man. He's been in the game too long not to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean? absolutely. But, but yeah, that's really how it happened with Sam. So you're just there. Yeah, we do, we're there. We do this the record with Sam. Yeah, and he hears you rap or something. He come in and hear the, the end of the, the, the record when it was finished. Yeah. And he like, y'all want to hear some beats? Yeah. And we like, fuck yeah, like hell yeah. So we go in his studio. Ah, it's just like, man. This is like the legendary studio I'm in rap in all heaven. the YouTube videos. Yeah, bro, yeah, man. the legendary studio, bro. We were right there. We were right there and like it's crazy, man. Some of the some of the heaviest shit I've heard to date. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um it was like just rap candy. The shit that makes makes you the best type shit, right? Man. It was like, man, everything that was like I it was so crazy, it was so hot that like I didn't even want to ask him 
about nothing. Yeah. It's like, man, I'm just happy to be here. Th- th- like, th- that's what I have to wonder. It's <laughs> like when I'm by myself and I'm writing raps, I have no doubts in my talent or skill or what I do. But in that situation, being in front of a legend like that, I have to wonder if like a little bit of um, imposter syndrome kicks in or something where it's like, oh, should I really like well, open my mouth around this guy? I'm always when I'm around people that I admire like that. Yeah. I um I always want to make myself um visible for the reason why I'm here at all. Right. Cuz I'm not just a fly on the wall. Yeah. So what's my objective? My objective's here to show you why I'm here. Yeah. And that's what happened. It's like, okay, we found a beat. You start spitting. Man, it was just like it was so organic like working with my homie from Fontana. Yeah. The same way I get up and be like and I let him hear it and he'd be like, "Go. Just do it." Oh, yeah. It was just like that. I I got up, I let him hear what I did. He was like, "Go get in the booth." Yeah. It was just like that. It was no, and and at that point, it's just locking into what we do. That's so. Dope. It don't matter, you know, that it's the man, right? Yeah. Because he's so damn cool. You fuck around, forget. You know yeah, what I mean? Because right, he right. he's so cool. But like, um, yeah, bro. It just um, it was just more show and prove. That's dope. Show man. him, show him why I'm here, so yeah. he remember me. Because I remember even the night we did the record, Al fell out. We was smoking heavy. Like yeah. Al fell out on us, man. And his manager went in there. He's like, "Yeah, he'll holler at y'all." Yeah. And we like, "Nah, I'm stay. Al sleep. I'm about to go on this couch over here, and we gonna wake up and I'm whatever, right?" Yeah. I was like, I wasn't locked into like feeling like he gonna really call me back. Yeah. Because it was like a dream kind of feeling. It was like, yo, like this shit's too fucking extraordinary for it to be real. And then sure enough, the next day, like. He uh, gave us a shout out on Twitter. Wow. He called us back. Jay was supposed to go back, do some more work with him. But he ended up going back to Chicago. Yeah. And then I came back like a week later, did some more work. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a really good feeling to validate everything that you've been working on throughout your life. Like the opportunity was presented to you. And you came through, you know, you succeeded. Yeah, man, it's it's really like symbolism, like for uh, it represents like anything that you want wants you, it, yeah. right? It's just like filling in the blanks in terms yeah. of like showing somebody why you're there, why you're why are you a component, right. right? And that's really what I got from it is like you know I grew up listening to this cat shit for so long that yeah. like it's like poetic justice me being in a booth and him yeah. him rocking with me, right? And that's the thing too, it's like. Just, just keep going, keep going, right? Because yeah. you never know, man. And when I, when that happened, I was like, man, anything can happen. There's nothing that's too crazy anymore. Nothing, like, right? You know, so. So that brings me to Lingua Franca, which you put out November of last year, 2020. So I mean, it's it's basically brand new. Still, basically, yeah, it's you still know, pretty fresh. It's still fresh, yeah. uh, and it seems as though, like I said, it comes after a long gap. Yes. Maybe maybe five, six years since you put something out, right? No question. So does this feel like a Control-Alt-Delete, like you're restarting? It's kind of like... Um, or does it feel like a continuation? It's it's a continuation, but it is a restart in terms of like um, certain components, right? Yeah. It's like, I feel like this new record is kind of like um, one of my best sounding records. It sounds great. Thanks, man. And you re- you're really wrapping your ass off on there. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. No, we, we, I, I wanted to put in good work, not only with what I do, but like I wanted it to sonically be in a different place than like maybe the kill off or Rawhide where, you know, we're not going crazy on, on mixing yeah. and mastering. Oh know? yeah. Rawhide is definitely raw. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, people love that. Yeah. People love that aesthetic still. No, there's a right? place for that. I love it too. You know, it's still shit I do where it's just raw. Right. right. But like, I just wanted to show more of the range, you right. know what I mean? And I think like when you're in a different sonic environment like that, you know, it's it's more you can do. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to do too is show the range more uh creatively. It's like, yo, I'm I'm singing on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a uh, 
it's a lot of things that I haven't really showcased that much before that I'm I'm showcasing on this. Yeah. And I'm proud of that because, uh, you know, it's growth. Absolutely. Um, are the records on Lingua Franca some of the stuff from the last few years that you were, like, over-retouching or overworking, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, Cohen's from Israel. Oh, okay. So that was really, like, a, a huge component in the time gap in between us working like that yeah. and, and, and honing it because— um, you know, it's just hard. Like it's you know, I'm, when I'm waking up, he going to he going to sleep. You know, vice versa, whatever. So does that mean that this was something that took five years? No, nah, it, it wasn't five years, but I would say it was probably like close to a couple. Okay, just going back and forth. You know, he would come out here for like periods of time. Yeah, and we'd work in those periods, and then he'd go back, and then we marinate on some more. And um, you know, I'm a I'm I'm real big on the curation and yeah. arrangement and stuff. Like I, I only want what's needed to be there to be there. And yeah. that's another component too, because it was just like, you know, going through all of that like crazy is this, this needs to be there, is that need right. to be there? You gotta right? go through just and constructing pick things right apart, you know, and take out everything that's unnecessary. I totally agree. Exactly. And I think we have a joint that's uh didn't make the album that's we're gonna throw back out or whatever, but yeah. I ask you um that to get to this. You've got this great record out. How fast do you think you'll be able to put out another one? Because man. it's a different it's a different thing now than it was in 2013. I'm working, man. Yeah. I'm working like this year. Um, you know, that's why I kind of set off the new year with that Alchemist single. Yeah. Um, even though it's just a single. Right. Um, just to show like, man, I'm back, man. Yeah. Like, like I never really left, but I'm focused. You know, I'm I'm working. It's so many different things that are going on, whether it be collaboration or my own, you know. So it's... It's a lot going on, you yeah. know what I mean? And I understand the importance of, like, staying on top of it now, you know what I mean? Just from going right. through the the, the trials. Because I understand you know. how easy it can slip away from you where it's like, oh, well, now I'm making this real money doing this. Like, oh, I'll get to the rap when I yeah, need even to. Even now. Even now, I'm kind of, like, revalidating my position to certain people. But it's certain people that are just happy that, like, I'm back to work, you know what I mean? So it's just um, convincing myself that, like, this is worth taking for real. You know yeah. what I mean? As you get older, like, um, your focus starts shifting. You know, you start reevaluating what's important. And um, I just always wanted to get to that level where it's like, yo, like, I'm I'm monetarily secure with this too. But, like, it's still, like, what I want to do. It's still my passion. It's still, right. like, what I love to do. And, and it's never changed with that, man. So it's like I can't shift things and, like, try to um, – put on a hat when I don't love that. You yeah. know, I, I've never been the type of person to be able to do things just um, that I don't want to do uh, out of trying to make money. Or, you know, I never got in this game for money. I never, this was all off the love and the strength of the, the culture and the music. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just think that you're in such an interesting place right now to where you've been away long enough to clear people's palates to where people my age and people half of my age right. could find out about you right now yeah. and go like, oh, this is a new dude. Yeah. You know, like, this is a new rapper that I'm, that everybody's just going to find out about, right? Even though you've been putting in this work for years, you have this opportunity right now to, like, be an up-and-coming artist. Yeah. You feel me? No question. And that's, like, a great place to be because that's where, that being that up-and-coming artist is where you can take a social media following that small and go exponential. You and know what I'm saying? And that's what I see it, too. I yeah. see it, too. It's like, it's a blessing that I'm even still kind of in that position yeah. because I'm approaching that 10-year uh, um, stretch. Right. So, you know, because I came in, splashed in 2013. Yeah. So it's like everything I do in these next couple years before that dime, you know, 
is basically just substantiating yep. what what it's been. But right. like, but like, you know, also elevating. You know, what I mean, showcasing like really like showing that it's I'm a component man. Right. It's not just because of the time that I've been here. It's nah. like with the work I produce. It's what I do. You well, know and also mean? because sounds come in cycles, and popularity in sounds are cyclical. And right now, right. The cycles back to where <laughs> how you rap is popular. Exactly. You feel me? Like how you rap is something that people are seeking out. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I so, remember when that faded and it was like. Yeah, it's hard to. It's it, daunting. It, when that style fades, you go like, well, why am I even doing it? Because now uh, there's no there's no country for old men or whatever. Bro, you know? you're just you're that's, you know, stuck in a box. man. Yeah. That was the name of the song I did with Alchemist. Uh. And even then I was like kind of hinting at like, you know. Y'all trying to like put me in this place, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like I'm trying to grow, man. I'm trying to, you know, just solidify my position, man. And so that's what it's all about this year and every year coming after, man. It's like it's just it's just solidifying it, bro. It's that's just dope. like uh, you know, I got some stuff brewing, man, with a with yeah. a lot of people, like on some collab on on my own. I'm really proud of the work that's coming, bro. And it's really like a whole like focus shift in terms of like, you know, what's important yeah. like not only creatively but like monetarily like on some business stuff too i had to learn a lot of lessons with that too yeah you know um coming in just just having a heart for this and not caring about the financial stuff that's cool when you were a kid but like when you get older you gotta like harness that and that's stuff i'm still learning but yeah. like at the same time it's like i know i'm viable in this man I know I'm sure. viable. It's been way too many things that have happened that have like <laughs> I'm I ain't shit, but I wouldn't have invited you on the show if I didn't think you were <laughs> viable. Dog. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean anything, but it, <laughs> but you know, I've been I've I've had some uh some luck predicting things in the past. I don't know. I think like like I said, I think you're in a great position to really like blossom. I think this could be a fantastic year for you as long as you just keep putting the shit. I'm trying out. to turn it up, man. Yeah, and that's I'm the thing. Like you already learned the lesson of not overthinking. So I think if you just keep firing shit off, man, it, it's going to be a big year for you, bro. bro. I know that this is going to work um, as well as I work with it. That's it, right? The so, harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, that's my that's my phrase. exactly exactly yeah. like, and that's the thing. People respect the work, man. People want to see you putting that in. That's so it. that's yeah. what I'm on, man. Yeah, it's getting done. Well. Congrats on putting out a fucking marvelous record a couple months ago. Thank you, I'm bro. happy that you let it loose into the world. Love, man. Uh, yeah, I'm glad it's that a long I, time coming with that one. Absolutely. I'm glad that it somehow made it into my ear canal and that we made this happen. Yeah. It was great to meet you. That's a pleasure, bro. Yeah. Thanks for having me, dog. Yeah, you're cool as fuck, man. I hope that we see each other again in the I'll future be, yeah, for man. sure. Hit yeah. me, bro. I'll, I'll fall through. All right, cool. That said, tell the people where to find you online. Man, you can find me at Oliver the Second on Anything and everything. It's like Oliver T H E two N D, right? O L I V E R T H E two N D. Two N D. There's no go. spaces. It's just that. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, you can find him. You can also find Lingua Franca right now on Spotify, as well as the record with Jeremiah J that we were talking about, Rawhide, uh, and the new Alchemist single. I got another joint too by uh, uh, produced by Ashtray Jenkins. Yeah, it's called Acme. Okay. Oh yeah, that just came out. Yeah, too, that's right? that's gonna be off my project called Quarantine King. Why do it's I dropping know? this this year? Oh, you got another record. Astra Jenkins, man. He, Why do I know that name? Because he he's he do his thing. Yeah, he do his thing, bro. He's like one of the one of them low end kids too. One of them L.A. kids too. Okay. You know what I mean, so, yeah, yeah. But he get down, bro. He's been tapping into the rap beats more because he Sick. he's more known for making electronic stuff. But okay. He, been, he get down, man. And so you guys have a project together? Nah, he just he just produced Acme. Okay. But we're gonna do more work. He's All gonna right. be on the album more. 
Amazing. Yeah. Yo, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Everybody go follow Oliver the Second. Go listen to uh, Lingua Franca, like I said. And that said, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat, youtube.com slash Kinda Neat, where you are going to see Oliver the Second perform which song? Uh, we're going to do Bulky. He's going to do Bulky. Uh that's it, man. Also, I got a TikTok. Forty years old, got a fucking TikTok. I don't <laughs> give a popping. shit. It's popping though. It's uh, going it, crazy. It's, it's starting. You know, I'm posting the loops. It's starting He's to getting pick the up. Metrics. Up. One of these days, the metrics are going <laughs> to pop. But yeah, go hit that Instagram. Look for Oliver the Second on our YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, that's it. That was Oliver. I'm uh, Lee, and this was kind of neat. Yeah.